Welcome to episode 43 of Dads from the Crypts, Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. I'm joined by Jody. Hello. And Mondo. Hello. My boys have come back to roost. <laughs> We're all here. We're all it's here. I missed it, guys. No, yeah, I know. Um, no guests tonight. We're kind of uh, bringing it back to roots, which is kind of fun. Hey, 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 Jason, can you give us a an acapella version right now of Thin Lizzie's The Boys Are Back in Town? No. <laughs> okay. I cannot. I, tr- I try. Um, yeah, uh, we're recording this on May 15th, so it's the weekend before our William Sadler live Q&A. So hoping everyone had a great time, and uh, thank you everyone for uh, tuning in. Um, if it doesn't happen or went terribly, Future Mondo can edit this out. And if you did not tune in? shame on you really like that's that's on you as a human being and you have to live with that for the rest of your life Don't you may go from that one you have made jason <laughs> just think if you didn't tune in you made jason sad mm-hmm. he's not sad just disappointed and <laughs> true and true dad fashion he's not mad he's just disappointed and uh go to your room and think about what you did in true parenting uh, fashion, my daughter said I ruined her life a couple times tonight. Okay, uh, details. Um, <laughs> we have a rule that she's not allowed to go to the regular YouTube app. She has to go through the kids' YouTube. Sure. Yeah, for reasons. Um, I caught her on the uh, regular YouTube apps. I told her Ooh. I'm going to delete the app. Uh, what was she watching? I don't know. She watches like these like amateur teen drama things like just a bunch of friends like you, you, you start off um, an amateur team and that could have gone a really bad no, direction. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like Look, not a sh- it's not like a produced show. It's like these clips that these kids well, like teenagers put together and there's just like all really dramatic scenarios and then it's not good. Yeah, hearing you describe that though, I get to watch the like very small children's version of YouTube, and that's nonsense, just complete nonsense. <laughs> I posted a couple of pictures a couple of weeks ago of somebody dancing around, like with little poops dancing around them, and like <laughs> about a potty. And then the next video was little droplets of pee dancing around them and talking oh, about pig. Like I don't even know. Uh, uh, speaking of kid stuff, and, and, and Jason, I, I can edit this out. If, if you don't want to talk to talk about this, but uh, you posted on Slack recently that you're going over some books that talk about sexual education with your young children. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned what your, when, when your children now refers to a vagina as, do you want to say what that is here on the air? <laughs> okay. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to have to back up a second. So my daughter is you know almost eight years old. And I think, especially when you're a twin, there's kind of a mystique around the fact that you're, birth was different than other kids birth well, well th- in general i think kids have questions at those ages right and, and i think i think you know just uh, to preface i think you're doing the right thing by giving proper age appropriate good education about yeah, it yeah. right so, well that's what i'm getting to so like she she's already been curious about you know how where babies come from and everything for oh, quite a while now and i think now that she's like you know have, has her click of friends and everything they're talking about stuff like that and she's been saying some really random stuff that she hears so we're like okay i think this is the point where the parent us as parents need to step in and kind of educate in the appropriate manner um before she like gets all these crazy ideas in the head anyway so we got this very inclusive book it talks about you know um it, it doesn't just talk about uh i'm like I'm, I'm not gonna get all the wording correctly but it includes things like um uh, surrogacy and um other and adoption so it's not just about you know yeah yeah Yeah. um anyways but there is but there are parts where it shows you know uh pictures of what sex is so at first she's like are they cuddling and you're like yeah they're cuddling 
So now every time me and my wife are just like sitting together, like my daughter's like, "Are you guys cuddling?" <laughs> like, well, we're cuddling, but we're not going to do that. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, not maybe, those... maybe, maybe later. <laughs> like not with not when you're awake. Um, but anyway, so she's looking at the picture. She's trying to understand the um, mechanics of it, and she's like, "Oh, is the vagina the penis holder?" <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you could call it that. I wouldn't. <laughs> but um, that's I, I, one way to think of it. Uh, so um, uh, just for, for any listeners out there that may be kind of going through the same thing, um, what, what book is it? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. If, if you don't remember, I think it might be worth worth linking just because I know it, it's a topic, right, that all of us as parents have to go through. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, mm-hmm. um, I, I will say the thought of my near 20-year-old Walking in on me and my wife having sex is way more terrifying than the thought of a six or seven year old <laughs> walking into the same thing. Because at least then I can just say I'm hurting her. Um, but with this, <laughs> a twenty year old, they know it's happening. You're, you're, you're practicing jujitsu. Uh, yeah, exactly. We're practicing. We're practicing jujitsu. Just uh, uh, no gi because we're not gonna have my gi on. But you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm just kidding. I kind of thought that you would wear gi, Mondo. Uh, first of all, it, we're dude. Don't kink shame me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I spend, uh, you know, I spend jujitsu rolling around with sweaty other. Uh, some we have some females, mainly males. I don't want any of those visions in my head while I'm trying to trying to do my thing. <laughs> Th- those two worlds stay very separate. Even like and this may sound dumb, but um, even when my wife was thinking about getting into it, I was like, "Well, you got to find a different gym. You can't come to my gym. <laughs> like, why not?" And I just said, "What's going to happen is someone's going to get rough with you, and I'm going to have to go fuck them up." Like as as long as they're have to specify as long as they're a lower belt because like if a black belt rough set up that's just that's his life like that's just (laughs) that just that happened sorry sorry about your bad luck um but uh if a white belt did it you know they're gonna have to learn uh, what a purple belt is really fast Uh, but uh, (laughs) that's fine but yeah Um, those two worlds are we're gonna keep those those separate. Also, uh, we had the end of year picnic at my kid's school and my daughter has a quote unquote boyfriend. And uh, I finally got to meet the young man today um, and his parents. <laughs> and I'm like, do you know Nora calls you her boyfriend? He's like, no. <laughs> I think it's, it's a little one-sided. And, and inside, Jason's like, ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to a different school next year. So, wow. Oh, no. Well, it's a bummer for her, man. Like, She'll get over it. Yeah, yeah, it's just there. <laughs> it's like how well, cut and dried. She'll get over it. She'll be fine. You know, what, what's funny is like uh, my daughter really didn't have a, a boyfriend at that young age, but um, in elementary school, she always had her friend Jonah. Mm-hmm. And Jonah, we always thought of Jonah's grandma. And we would go, you know, we all went to the same elementary school, went to go pick our kids up. And Jonah's grandma would usually come pick him up. And uh, I always kind of wonder, like, what happened to Jonah because they went to different schools and, and broke apart in middle school. But then my brain always goes, like, what if he tried to be a drug dealer? Like, what if he's like in juvie right now? Right. <laughs> and then, but then I'm laughing. I get kind of sad. Like, damn, I wish I kind of knew what happened to Jonah. But A, I don't know his last name. And B, even if I did, that'd be some really weird internet searching to try to find like, my, my, <laughs> I don't, I'd be on a list somewhere if I looked for that kid. So, uh, but Jonah, if you're out there and you're listening to dads from the crypt, A, uh, why? And, uh, and B, I hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Jody, do you have your kids have any uh, crushes? Uh, no, not that I've seen yet. I mean, even though they're at that age where it could be a possibility, they've kind of been taking it a little slower, which is cool. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I appreciate that we hadn't been doing the whole uh, eight-year-old thing. So, well, also you're uh, homeschooling, so there's yeah, we options. homeschool. So you know, most of the kids that they see, you know, like they do, they do a lot of social stuff. But then, like karate, they're kicking each other. So they now both of my girls who are. Um, 12 and 10 now have had little boys who have been like really following them around <laughs> and bringing them little presents and things like that. And they've, I, I've, they have done a good job of being firm, but nice of being like, Hey, you know what? I want to be your friend, but that's all like, go ahead and get that idea out of your head. I'm 10. I don't really want to do all that. So I'm, I appreciate that. I'm glad. For That's, that. Cool. That's cool. That's cool. Nice. That's cool. They, they, they treat their potential suitors the way that Hank Hill treats 
well-done steak eaters. Mm -hmm. They ask them firmly, but politely to stay away. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Well, the boys got to get used to the friend zone early. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. But like, uh, it's a lesson. Yeah. The whole, the whole friend zone thing is a whole nother issue because like, yeah, no, I I can get into it because if you think you're being friend zone, you probably suck. Like like, (laughs) what I mean, what I mean is like, I remember I I was watching something recently where there, you know, it was some comment talking about, ah, Guys and girls can't be friends. I'm like, no, they 100% can. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think they can, then you should go talk to somebody about that because you got some issues. <laughs> well, and I think if you are at the place that you're like sitting around complaining about being in the friend zone, maybe you are not good at being friends to someone of the opposite gender. Like, That's a great point. When yeah. I was in high school, I had a friend who about once a year or so I would ask out. Like she was just my friend. I'd ask her out. She politely turned me down every time and I'd be like, okay, cool. And then we just go back to being friends. And that was it. Like that was the whole thing start to finish. I never sat around whining and like, oh, I just can't get out of the friend zone. Like, no, we were just friends. I made, I shot my shot. It didn't work. Move on. (laughs) So what it sounds like is you guys met and became friends first. Yeah. Yeah. And every now and then you'd start developing some feelings and you, you know, see if they had them. They didn't move on. If you befriend someone and you're a friend to them with the sole intention of eventually trying to hook up with them, right. you have done all the wrong things. That's correct. And you're not a good friend. You're a terrible friend, and you so guys shouldn't be friends either. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's 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 that whole thing where people who claim like I'm the nice guy. Well, if you have to say you're the nice guy, you're probably mm-hmm. not. The ni- <laughs> probably you're probably not, not the nice guy. And you know what? Just it's okay. Reevaluate things. Talk to someone. Get better. It's okay. Get, Get better. Happy. I mean, if you're not okay being someone's friend, then you definitely should not be in the relationship with them. Exactly. Exactly. Man, that went on for a long time. I know. (laughs) We we haven't had a chance just to... We're getting all deep. We haven't had had time to process um, Jordy's (laughs) power going out that one time. Yeah, we've had all kinds of things. Power outages, medication changes, you know, all kinds of stuff. (laughs) um hey well, right. but 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 that's because we take mental health here like legit seriously and yeah, uh and we're all we're, we're all uh we're all um uh advocates for for mental health so um everyone else everyone should be advocates for mental health just go get your fucking head checked it's okay yeah i hope i'm not speaking out of turn but you know every one of us at one point or another has been on some kind of medication so yes 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 <laughs> Um, okay. Oh, and shout out to any uh, past therapist might be listening to the my show. Yeah. I uh, mentioned to them. <laughs> this, um, is, this is what your therapy resulted in. This, yes, right exactly. here, this conversation. They're just they're just sitting there taking notes. Like, ooh, that's a that's a red flag. <laughs> former, former. <laughs> I gotta make a phone call. Okay. Um, qu- again, we already talked about the Q and A. Um, hope it went great. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, Monster Palooza is the first weekend of June. I'll be there on Sunday if you want to come say hi. Um, but tonight we will be discussing the Seance, which premiered on July fourth, nineteen ninety two. Jody, give us a plot synopsis. All right. I know Mondo is glad I'm back just for this section, if nothing else. <laughs> hey, uh, to be fair, um, the first synopsis I did was dog shit. I think the last two were pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I just try to fit in as many inappropriate innuendos as possible and, and, and fitting with my, uh, with my character over here. <laughs> the Mondo character. Uh, that sounds so gross. Oh, and not, and not to, to change subjects, but I did a training class for my work last week. And there's a guy in my class named Armando, which is my, uh, my, my, my birth given name. It is really weird. To have to call someone by your own name. I've never had to. I'm sure you guys have probably dealt with this. I've never had to deal with this really in my adult life. And it was really weird. I just kept saying you or him or you, that guy, because I was like, I just don't like <laughs> saying my name out loud and uh, towards another person. I don't know. This is weird. I mean, Friday the 13th, just a couple of days ago, and everyone was talking about they're leaving me out milk and cookies. It was great. <laughs> I, I, I just imagine Jason sneaking house to house with the plastic with a mask uh, on and a machete <laughs> and being very and being very disappointed and then wondering why people were no just just don't no, no it's it's my holiday it's okay <laughs> it's cool respect respect my my people <laughs> all right uh so we start with the crypt keeper investigations and we've got a whole like detective agency set up and he's talking like humphrey bogart film noir detective and uh, then we meet a medium and she talks in this German accent. We don't know who she is yet, but 
are are you all fans of Blazing Saddles? Oh hell yeah! Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sounds like Lily von Stump when she's using her <laughs> German accent. It's really okay. a bad German accent. The whole time, the whole time she was talking in that, I'm like, oh, it's Madeline Kahn. Uh, but anyway, so she's talking in this German accent. A man with a hooded robe walks out and just kind of stands there for a minute, and she jumps out, jumps up, and yells at him for not saying his line. So we find out these these people are con men. They're getting to swindle some lady we don't know the details yet he's uncomfortable with the plan uh but then the lady comes in and calls for her and she shuts the guy up in a wardrobe so that he can come do his part and then there's a kind of this crash inside the wardrobe that he says he's okay but right here at the very beginning i thought his voice sounded a little bit different we'll get into that later uh she lets this couple in and starts the seance and then in his other voice, he says, that poor woman, how did I ever get into this mess? So we get a flashback to one week earlier. And we find out these two are Benny and Allison, which is really funny because my friend Allison has a cat named Benny. Mm-hmm. I just assume they're up to cons now. And if you guys didn't know, Benny loves you. He does. All right. Allison and Benny, they used to be an item, but now they pretty much hate each other. Uh, they're in a lawyer's office, and that's when the dean from Animal House comes in. Uh, his name in this is Prescott Chalmer, Calmer, Chalmers, 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 as in Superintendent Chalmers. Uh, Benny says that he's the executor of his uncle Albert's estate, and his uncle was a bank robber who went to jail. And Allison is claiming to be that uncle's daughter. And there's a will under an investment account worth three million dollars, and but that money was the money that he stole from the bank. And uh, anytime I hear a con in a movie, like it always sounds so convoluted. Like we got the cousins and the uncles and, and whatever. Anyway, the, the whole point of it is they're trying to get money out of this dude. We'll, uh, we'll get to it. I thought this was actually a pretty well thought out con, but it, it's not a bad one. It's just every time, like when, if I was wanting to con somebody and I'm like, okay, so first we pretend to be his uncle. Like I'm already like too deep here. And I, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get out. I don't have a good plan. <laughs> con, con, conning people takes work I, I, i'd imagine us three like if we were trying to make a con we'd be like in office uh, an office space like sitting around a table yeah. trying to fit the- <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um the problem is the money is the stolen money and so benny leaves the room so they can talk a press card says he doesn't believe any of it and she agrees with him and uh, the scene's very flirty for supposed cousins because this is supposed to be his mom's brother so these are first cousins and this isn't even set in arkansas uh, <laughs> or alabama I'm, I'm from tennessee we we talk about arkansas and alabama because we have to have someone to look down on too the rest of the world can look down on us we have to look down on uh, so us. where does where does west virginia uh i don't know we're at least equal maybe maybe higher i don't i don't know where the ranking falls <laughs> And no Later offense on, to any of our fans. Well, no offense to any of our fans in Arkansas, Alabama, oh, yeah, or West yeah. Virginia. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I, I say this every time that we're traveling. We're going on vacation soon, and we'll be driving through Alabama the entire time. You could not tell the difference between Alabama and Tennessee when you're in them. But we just like to look down on somebody because <laughs> you have to. And I'm sure Alabama goes. We're not like those idiots in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. So anyway, in the next scene, we're in a hotel room, and Allison is getting ready for her cousin's arrival. By putting on a sexy dress and Benny is getting ready to take blackmail pictures. So they got the whole thing. This is their backup plan. If their other con doesn't work, they're going to blackmail him. And he hides in the closet. Prescott arrives and immediately removes his wedding ring. So everybody knows what's going on. They dance and she tells Prescott that the lawyer was telling the truth. And they come up with this plan to buy the lawyer out. Uh, They're going to give him $300,000 and then they'll collect their money. So that's the con. They get $300,000 from him and she kisses him and they start having sex on the couch while Benny takes pictures back in the lawyer's office, Prescott and Allison come in and they give Benny a suitcase full of $300,000 to buy him out. Uh, he goes to get the documents and he starts to sing the song that was playing in the room where Allison and Prescott were together the night before, which is just the stupidest thing to do. Uh, Prescott is suspicious and realizes immediately that he's been had. Then he shows him the pictures, but then Prescott kind of laughs and says, my wife will never see these pictures. And he leaves. 
Allison follows him yelling his name, and then she pulls a gun on him right when he's about to get on the elevator. Vinny stops her from shooting him. But then for some reason, the elevator is not there. and Prescott steps into an el- empty elevator shaft. I have no idea why this happened, but there was no elevator. The doors were open, falls down, and he's still alive at the bottom of this elevator shaft. And it's got to be, you know, multiple stories. Like you, you don't see the aftermath, but you see that it's a long way down. And uh, Benny wants to go help him, but he and Allison get into a fight and then they see the elevator coming down and it comes down and you hear like a crunch and then Benny calls it back up and hanging (laughs) from the bottom of the elevator or like his organs, like his intestines are draped. It's really great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great gore scene, and it's a it's a tad bit unexpected because yeah. the first part of the episode is played so straight. Yeah, right. no, it just comes out of nowhere. And I, but, I love it though; it just, well, that, just goes nuts all of a sudden. What I was really hoping would happen was that the um, suitcase with all the money would be stuck to the bottom of the elevator, <laughs> and then would fly open, all the money would just go like spurling everywhere. <laughs> Like bloody, like in, in blood and guts and stuff would just be like falling off the bottom of the elevator. That would have been amazing. Have you ever been in an elevator at a hotel and it's got a um, a notice saying like elevator certification inspection available at request? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one time I was checking, I check into a lot of hotels, a guy that travels. One time I asked him, I said like, do you guys actually have that document for request? And he goes, Whoop! and just whipped it right up. He goes, dude, you'd be surprised how many people come in here drunk and they come up, they demand to see that. <laughs> and i was like no i wouldn't be surprised i just always just i i just always wondered and the guy was just being super nice we're just chatting up having a good time talking while he's checking me in i was like this seems like the right time to ask this question i've always wondered like how accessible is that certificate apparently very, very. accessible <laughs> <laughs> so later on we're at the police station where benny like insisted that they go to give a statement about this guy falling down the elevator shaft they didn't necessarily i mean really they didn't do anything wrong other than the con itself they didn't kill him he just fell in this elevator shaft and uh while they're there though they see his widow dorothy and she has the suitcase and allison wants to still get the money and so they go over and talk to her and try to give her his cane and then they find out she's blind so the whole my wife will never see these pictures that's the whole thing uh, she wants to be able to fulfill all of his obligations. So she, he talked about them and the whole thing with the will and everything. And she's going to fulfill it all, but she needs to make sure to talk with him first. She has a spirit, an appointment with her spiritual advisor, Madame Leona, who is a medium who can conjure up his spirit so they can have a conversation. So Benny and Allison tie up Madame Leona so that Ad- Allison can imitate her. And she says, you don't know the powers you're dealing with, but they knock her out. And that's when we flash back to where we started this episode. Uh, and the seance is going on real fast. Can we say before they knocked her out? She tells her, don't worry. We're just going to keep you quiet. I'm not going to hurt her. And then proceeds to hit her in the back of the head with a statue or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not going to hurt her, but we're just going to give her a major concussion that could possibly change her life. <laughs> right. Don't we won't kill you. We're just going to make your whole life more difficult. Don't worry about it. So anyway, um, they are in the uh, seance and Allison saying all of the words pretending to be Madame Leona and the hooded figure comes walking down the hall and again, just stands there and doesn't say anything. And uh, so Allison says, what about the money, Mr. Chalmers? What do you want Dorothy to do with it? And he just kind of (laughs) like laughs And he says, I want to give you the money personally. And he puts the suitcase on the table and opens it up and Benny's head is inside. So that's that's that scene from earlier. Uh, And he pulls back the hood and it's Prescott. His face is all sliced up and he just plunges his hand into Allison's chest and rips her heart out. Indiana Jones style. And uh, he ends the episode by saying Benny was right. You ain't got no heart, which was a pretty cool ending. <laughs> or or uh, or, or Kano style from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. It. Right, right, right. All so, right, yeah. Mondo. Thank you, thank you, Jody. Mondo, what do you think of this episode? Uh, Jody, I'm very happy you're back, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I I absolutely love this episode. I, I like how they play it straight for so many parts and kind of the horrific gore and the and the uh, the, the whatever the uh, the supernatural stuff is kind of just pasted into it and i don't mean in a bad way because there are movies like i'll use 
some of the later Hellraiser installments as a great example of movies that were not meant to be horror movies. And then they pasted these horror elements in to make it horror. This is obviously written um, to be a, a, you know, a a horror, a horror episode. Uh, I love the acting. This was fantastic. I love all the, all the characters in it. And again, I would say that Benny has a smidge of conscious, but, but he's also, there also is something to be said about like, yeah, you can have the conscious, but if you still go along with a plan, you're just as bad. Uh, maybe not just as bad, but you're still a bad guy. And and I think they try to make you feel that little bit of sympathy for him when he tries to, you know, uh, when he tries to save uh, Mr. Chalmers life. But you also realize he still kind of let it happen. And he still went along with the scam in the grand scheme of things. And if he wasn't along for the ride, uh, none of this would have happened. Um, I also uh, love John Vernon. That I, he, I love at the very end when he's, when he's under the hood, he's talking and he has a, such a great voice mm-hmm. and you hear his voice. And I was like, oh yeah, uh, we're about to get into some, about to get into some shit right now. Um, so I think this hits like all those really, really great pieces of uh, Tales from the Crypt where you have the, the, the antagonist, get, excuse me, uh, the antagonists get what they deserve. Uh, the really, really fun, the fun gore gags, the heart, man, the heart was great. And, and again, an episode I didn't quite remember from remember seeing until the heart came out. I was like, oh, I remember watching this as a kid. And, uh, <laughs> and it was also kind of cool, cool to see John Vernon in a non-antagonist um, uh, role, really. He's, uh, he's the good guy in this, really, because he doesn't go along with our scheme. Oh. He goes, no, we're not going to scam. Well, you're right. He's not really a good guy. You're, you're right. His, <laughs> his, his, his wife is actually the, the protagonist in this. There's a protagonist. Um, but he didn't have that traditional, like, I guess maybe he did. I don't know. Um, I, I still remember. Also, because he was agreeing to go along with the scam because the black because yeah. of the blackmail. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and the blackmail happened because he was kind of a scumbag. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, well, what, uh, well what, what am I? One of my first memories of John Vernon. I was telling Jason before the show started uh, was from Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh yeah. He, he plays the land developer trying to overtake um, uh, the the camp. And there's a scene where Ernest goes to confront him and he tries to shoot him, but his gun won't work. And, and, the, and the, you, you see the, uh, the Native Americans reciting the Native American thing saying, if you're brave, the arrow won't pierce you. And I remember as a kid that I, that scene like kind of blew my mind because <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a kid's movie and he's really going to, he had the gun loaded and everything. A point Evan tries to shoot him. I was like, oh shit, he's trying to kill Ernest. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, John Vernon is a classic, uh, a classic bad guy, but um uh, yeah, a definite big fan of this episode. And I, I know we kind of talked about season three being the sweet spot, but aside from one episode, season four has been started out pretty solid. All right. Jordy, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I, I love a good con episode of mm-hmm. anything. Like anytime there's a con plot and like I said, it's, it's a little convoluted and you know, there, there are points that uh, I, I kind of wonder how they were going to pull all this off. Like, where did they get a lawyer's office with a name on it? Okay, whatever. I, you don't have to have all this stuff explained to me. But then it goes from like this detective con thing into some just really over the top supernatural stuff. You got some gore. You got the, the ridiculousness of the elevator fall and the squishing. And like, it, it's just a lot of fun. Um and uh, like Mondo, you know, John Vernon in there, that's fantastic. For whatever reason, I completely forgot he was in Ernest Goes to Camp until just now. And now I'm just having flashbacks to that movie and remembering <laughs> that, yes, he really was. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I would agree with everything everyone said. This was a really fun episode. Um, just It was just told the whole film noir, femme fatale, all those strips. Mm-hmm. Being kind of played perfectly. Um, Kathy Moriarty just kills her role. Just she's so good in this. She's very great at it, great at it, and plays a kind of like that cold-hearted, just mm-hmm. uh, ag- aggressive, like a femme fatale fucking nails it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so she was in the, her one of her first roles was Raging Bull, in which she got nominated for an Oscar. Um, she was in kindergarten cop, Casper, analyze this and analyze that. <laughs> Uh, she's had a hell of a career. Um, she's also in, um, uh, but I'm a cheerleader, which is one yeah, of the, uh, oh, great yeah. Movie. yeah, which in, you know, in 99, that was a really controversial film when it came out mm-hmm. because of the, uh, 
uh, the, the LGBTQ connotations, which weren't really right. out in the open there now. Um, have you guys seen The Sting? Yeah. Uh, it sounds With, familiar, but Robert I can't. Robert Redford and uh, Paul Newman. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like The Sting, but condensed into like 20 minutes. And, oh, and yeah, I'm sure if this was like an hour or something, like a full length, th- there would be like some plot points that would be kind of sticky or like the, it might slow down. But I think because it's so short and every scene just moves everything forward. Oh, yeah. No, when, um, when I, it works when so well. When, when I say that, you know, if, if you really get into it, some parts of it don't make a lot of sense. That's fine, though, because in a Tales from the Crypt episode, I don't need that because we're, we're mm-hmm. moving it along. We're yeah. keeping things going. Like if you took too much time to explain like, oh, well, first we're going to rent this building. I, I don't care. Yeah, like, it, I don't care. If the goal is to be a two hour, like really, really, you know, whatever, gritty film noir. Yeah, sure. I want that in a 25 minutes Tales from the Crypt episode where Just I want keep it moving. Keep I want something moving. fun. Exactly. Keep it going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is directed by Gary Fletter. Um, he did Kiss the Girls, Runaway Juries, and a bunch of TV shows. Um, again, Benjamin was played by Ben Cross. He was in Chariots of Fire. It was in the 90s version of the Dark Shadow show. Hmm. Um, he was in Exorcist The Beginning, which Mondo is directed by Rennie Harlan. <laughs> oh, Rennie Harlan. What did Rennie, what did Rennie do? Why does that name sound so oh, familiar? Did he do, um, who was the Nightmare on Elm Street guy? Night- yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Um, who did the other Exorcist movie? We we're talking about Exorcist, the newer ones that came out in the early 2000s. There's only one, I thought the beginning was the no, only well, one. There was the beginning and then the Dominion was the other. So basically, they tried oh, was it, like half of it, wasn't the Dom- yeah, yeah, okay. But that was Paul Schrader who did that. So, like, yeah, they filmed like half of it and they decided to redo most of it. Um, regardless. Um, unfortunately, Ben Cross passed away relatively recently. He was also in Star Trek from 2009. He was Spock's father. Uh, but yeah, John Vernon to me, he'll always be uh, the dean from Animal House. That's yeah, just like 100% is iconic in my head. But he what he did the voice for Iron Man in the 1966 cartoon series. And that, like, and I guess there's a bunch of like uh, Marvel cartoons um, shows that were going on around that he's, time. He was also Shao Kahn. In the Mortal Kombat cartoon series too, yeah, like the, the ones he's got the a great 90s. voice. Yeah, great, 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 a great resume. Yeah, he was in Dirty Harry, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, just mm-hmm. so much stuff. Um, then Dorothy is played by Ellen Crawford, who was one of the nurses on ER. That was pretty much on the entire show. Um, but yeah, great, great cast, great writing, great scripting. And also, it was a kind of you know, it was, it was obviously a period episode. Mm-hmm. Which I always kind of like those because it just it just gives it a more world. It, it draws you into a world a little bit. Like he has the cameras that like the one with the the lens that you have to kind of pull out, and it's you know the analog cameras. Obviously, um, I, I thought a really cool scene too was when they're going to the elevator and they have the minute work sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which you, which that that doesn't exist for the past like fifty years. <laughs> yeah. I thought was really cool. I did wonder, and this is me nitpicking again. How silent were those cameras? Because he was like five right. feet away from them. <laughs> like, those well, old cameras I mean, have to go click, 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 right? I, I mean, to nit- nitpick too, the other weird thing was um, his, uh, <laughs> a Chalmers, uh, Mrs. Chalmers was blind, but it didn't look like she had a handler or didn't have like a walking stick or anything when she walked out of the, uh, uh, the um, I guess, the lawyer's she, office. She had a guy with her. Did she? Okay. I didn't catch that. Yeah. I was wondering, that's the one thing I was wondering about during the seance is like how they can pull us off with another guy in the room. Yeah. Did the guy never see Madame uh, Leona? Yeah. Before I was was really curious about all that. Again, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, But the whole line, like, she'll never see these. And I was like, oh, what does he mean by that? Like, I was like, that that really threw me for a loop. And then they they kind of was a good payoff line. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's it. It's a really, really good script. Um, and the whole song thing actually didn't bother me because, like, sometimes you hear a song and then, like, a couple days later, mm-hmm. you'll just have it be humming in your head. Yeah. And also, you're thinking about it. You're in this. Benjamin was in this closet probably for a couple hours <laughs> watching his ex lover having sex with this older guy. It, you got to focus your head. You got to put your head somewhere. So maybe yeah. he's got the song <laughs> stuck. Like, that would be great. If there was a shot of him just in the closet, just like, oh my God, get me out of here. He starts humming the song to himself. It, it reminds like, me of uh, 
reminds me of Wayne's World where Garth, or I forgot what song triggers his memories of the dental office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, w- I was telling my daughter the other day that I've had the Lizzo song about damn time in my head for about a mm-hmm. month. Like yeah. it, it feels like a month. It's probably been two days, but it's been stuck constantly. So yeah, I, I could see you starting to sing something that was stuck in your head. Yeah. Like that. So, so again, yeah. I thought on the writing scale that was a good way to like mm-hmm. tip off. It wasn't it wasn't really cheap. Like someone dropped something, or like how would you know that? I mean, we'll get into the comic in a minute, but in the comic, the the con is found out because literally the dude just walks in while they're like, "Ha ha, we're con men. Ah, we're conning him. What a dope." I mean, it's pretty cheap. I, I didn't um I really don't know much about Lizzo at all mm-hmm. a- until there's a controversy apparently because she got in some private jet wearing just chaps. <laughs> uh and uh I, I think it's funny because it was uh basically a conservative news source that somebody retweeted to mock them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I never would have even known about this if it wasn't for conservative news a news yeah. source being upset yeah. about it. So I just thought it was funny because like who cares? It's fucking 2022. Let people do what they want to do. <laughs> if you want to um, wear just chaps, that's that's our uh, dads from the crypt stance. Wear yeah. just chaps. It's and put down the t-shirt. And what I will say <laughs> is can, can we can we can we just get rid of the term assless chaps? Because all chaps are assless. <laughs> like by definition, chaps don't have an ass. I'll I'll yeah. submit that for approval. Um, but again, also I like the fact that you know we had there was a gun pulled in this episode. I can't remember if there's a knife, but like we haven't had we've this is four seasons of Tilson Curve. We haven't had an elevator death. <laughs> like, you know, way, way to switch it up. I appreciate that. And then again, the comedy of it kind of coming up and all the blood and stuff falling off. I thought that was great. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. The fact that anyone has ever fallen down an elevator shaft is ridiculous in my head. But apparently it happens. It, it was I mean, funny. It used to happen with some regularity. That would be some good trivia, Jody. I'm sure it's happened in, in other movies before, but I, I distinctly remember it happening in the TV show Oz of all things, um, the prison drama by HBO, because like, but you think that was set in the late nineties, early two thousands that by then like elevator, like Otis or whoever mm-hmm. else was on elevators mm-hmm. would have figured that shit out by then. I do like when he called the elevator back up in this, that it went up, like the bottom of the elevator was like right at eye level, you know, just so they could <laughs> see everything. Right. That's a, that's great. a pretty it's bad a elevator. <laughs> Maybe and, that's and, why they got the, uh, the building to be able to put their name on the door because it, the elevator was such a piece of crap that uh, it was a really cheap building. I, th- I think it was in New York when they first started making manual elevators or sorry, um, automatic elevators that um, they had contracts set up by the unit for the union saying basically that um, elevator operators had to stay on for X amount of years because I guess it was going to put like a ton of people out of work and they no, no longer need elevator um, people. So even to this day, I think in New York, there are places that still have elevator operators oh, really yeah more more so the high-end buildings where it's like you, you can't be bothered to press the button yourself like that's for the help to do. It, um does john snars have, used to have an elevator attendant i don't know all, all i know is when he went to chicago he flew first class so oh. <laughs> so problem um but yeah overall I, this is a very oh, this is a very very good episode yeah great all right jody why don't you talk about the comic Okay, so uh, this was from Vault of Horror number 25, July 1952. Script and art both by uh, Johnny Craig. So this was kind of a one-man show up until you got to the coloring and inks. But uh, this is one of those episodes where they took the idea and uh, really tweaked it a lot to make it more interesting. Because the con in the original story is two guys. And uh, they are conning Chalmers again. And all their con is they're getting him to invest money in a company that doesn't exist. So he comes and gives them a check for a lot of money. And then they just spend it. That's the whole con. They they didn't have to work very hard for that one. Uh, But he did say that uh, when they first started, Madam Gilda didn't approve. Uh, It's his wife's medium. She, She believes in it. He doesn't. And then one day while they're talking about what a sucker he is, he just he hears them and walks in and says, you know, I'll call the police on you. So it just it's so very like cut and dried. There's not a whole lot going on here. Like the con is he gives us money. The uh, reveal is he walks in on them literally saying like, what a sucker. And so they don't want to be caught. So they run his car off the road and actually actively murder him. In the comics. So that's a little different. And a few days later, they visit his wife who says she needs to withdraw the money that uh, he had invested. 
but she'll have to ask her husband first. And so they, instead of impersonating Madame Gilda, they pay her off to hold the seance. And they say, you know, here's what's going to happen. We're going to hold this seance and we're going to put one of us is going to put on this luminescent stage makeup and pretend to be Chalmers. And we'll come out and we'll say, you know, like, give him the money or whatever. And then we'll walk off. And so they do the seance. And then you see the guy come out glowing. And instead of doing what he's supposed to, he strangles the other guy right there at the table. And that's when Madame Gilda is like, hey, that's not what this was all about. Uh, That's not what the plan was. And she actually confesses the whole thing to the wife says, you know, they paid me off. They were going to do all this. And, you know, I can't believe that he strangled his partner and let's go catch him. He was right back there. And so they go in the back and he is also strangled. Madame Gilda says, how, how could this happen? There was no one else in the room. And that's it. That's just the end of it. (laughs) So it honestly not the best tells from the crypt comic. So uh, when they converted this to the show, I feel like they added a lot of fun to it. They made the story more interesting. I know, I know what you're about to say, Jason, uh, when they wrote the script, the script writer here uh, did a great job. And he's one of the people I really like. You're right. So uh, yeah, I forgot to mention this, that this was actually written by Harry Anderson, um, who's mostly known for his acting, but I guess he did some writing. Um, he was in the Corman's calamity. And of course my beloved night court night court. I mean, he, the one of the things he really wrote, he wrote some, he wrote, I think, some Night Court episodes. Okay. And he wrote that, um, he wrote some episodes for uh, Dave's World. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Dave's World. That was a good show, too. Yeah. I think after we finish Tales, we should do a Night Court podcast. <laughs> you know what, man? I, I wouldn't be against that. Like, that's one of old shows. <laughs> uh, that or just throwing it out there, one of my favorite comedies of all time, uh, Get Smart. Ooh, that's a good smart. show. Um, I, I think uh, we, 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 we can get off, off there, but even doing random episodes of old, like, so the first episode of Get Smart, uh, I watched it. I got the box set, by the way, from Time Life and the box set. <laughs> time Life. I heard that yeah, dude, a minute. this is a long time ago. And the box set opens up like the intro with all the weird gates falling oh, down over him. So, cool. so great. And the first episode he's sitting in, uh, he's watching an orchestra play and his, his phone goes off. And you get the the, the the laugh from the, the audience. So my, I still remember my daughter going, his cell phone's going off. Why is that funny? And I was like, because <laughs> in 1965, like no one had it. And then I think it was on like the second or third episode. He's getting a shoe shine and his phone rings. He goes, hold on a second. Let me answer that. And he pulls his shoe off to answer it. I was like, ah, ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Jody, what do you rate this episode? I really like this one. I'm going to go all the way to 4.5 on this. It, it's a lot of fun. I I enjoyed the whole thing. Performances, the surprising gore that just pops up in the middle of it, the film noir stuff. Like it, it was a great, great episode. Mondo. Oh, two weeks in a row, man. I'm going to go five. Like I, I thought this is a wonderful episode from start to finish. Uh, the horror elements kind of just, just placed in perfectly uh, with the film noir and the wraparound. Man, I, I love the Crypt Keeper with the I love the Crypt Keeper with the, in the film the world style. And how cool is it that John Cassier? Think about how how much talent this takes that he's doing the Crypt Keeper voice, but then making the Crypt Keeper voice do another accent. Yeah, like yeah. that just to me just blows my mind how people can do that. Like I'm gonna create this other character's voice and have them do something different. That's this whole next level for me. So I <laughs> I I love this episode and it gets a five for me. Mondo, what am I going to choose? Four. I'm going five. <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, Have I, I ever been episode. the low score? I don't know. I don't know, Jody. This might be a. <laughs> this might be a first. But no, I just beginning to end this episode just kept impressing me. Like again, on paper, you're like eh, conman, yada yada, seance, yada yada, but. It's just so, it, the writing is so good, directing is so good, the acting is so good. It, it, it just is up there. Well, you know, I didn't even think about it till, um, like, right before we did the episode, after I'd already watched it, um, when I saw that Harry Anderson wrote it, and I'm like, ah, it makes so much sense. Because, mm-hmm. again, like, even if you go back to Night Court, some of that humor in there was kind of, it, it makes sense, right? The humor from Night Court, the humor in this, uh, I, I, maybe humor is the wrong word, but the, um, the little like film noir sensibility, quirky sensibilities. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like 
that seems like right up his alley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Harry Anderson, outside of all that, he was a magician that like when I was a kid, yeah. like I was really into him because he he was funny on the shows and he was also a magician. He'd do magic tricks when he was on other stuff. And some of this episode almost felt like a magic trick. Like when you get that sudden, like the intestines hanging down from the elevator, like it's out of nowhere. It surprises you. It's fun. Like, and that's what this whole episode felt like to me. Just moments of surprise. I think a good con movie or TV episode, you you have to con the audience first. Yeah. Well, as as they're conning the characters. So we, so as long as they're keeping the audience con, so like, Again, and it's all about misdirection. Where they're talking about, oh, you're gonna get this three million dollars. Like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But no, really, they're after the the three hundred thousand to pay off the other guy. Um, yeah, this all, yeah, this, this episode was, I thought was one of the best written episodes I've seen. So very, very high on that. Okay, uh, Mondo, do song of the day. All right, so I'm gonna go with a band from 1969. Ooh, 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 yeah. Um, a good year why um was that was that woodstock sadly it was um, it was I'm just kidding <laughs> there's nothing wrong with woodstock Ultima. um yeah i'm with uh, an american band from that era uh, that goes by the name of coven so coven um Ooh, coven, yeah. coven is kind of like what's funny is uh very satanic and imagery and card carrying members of the church of Satan, which Anton Zandalovay at the time was kind of, uh, was pushing in the, on the West coast. Um, it, it's, it's the, the, musically, it's definitely not metal. It, it's more so like Jefferson starship and they dabbled in Satanism and, uh, they're there, but they were a band that legitimately practiced the dark arts and practiced magic and practice satanic magic or for what that's worth, like whether you believe it or not irrelevant. Um, it's some interesting stuff that they actually came out, uh, right before Black Sabbath did, and they actually had a member who went by the name Oz Osborne. <laughs> and the first track on their record, or at least their debut record, was called Black Sabbath. I 100% do not believe that it had any bearing on the band Black Sabbath, because again, this wasn't like it is now where you just pop open Apple Music or Spotify and hear the new music. Back then, word of mouth had to travel. Um, where were they from? Here in the States. Okay. Uh, I couldn't tell you exactly where. No, if okay. I, well, I saying if it was a British band, then maybe. But yeah. no, no, no. They they were definitely not. An, they were definitely not an English band. And um, it, it was kind of funny because some people, like uh, early music reviewers, called them like the aristocratic or the uh, Black Sabbath, is kind of considered the the ruffians, the uh, uh, the street uh, musicians. So they're very uh, working class. Yes, working class is a good way to put it. Yeah, whereas they kind of called a coven the uh, the aristocratic version of that, even though it really wasn't. But one of the first bands ever to do to do the goat horns, the devil horns, which Ronnie James Dio claimed that he he invented, which he might have. Who knows? Um, rumor is that was an old uh, uh, old um. I hate using the word um because I know nowadays gypsies considered it's kind of a, a slur. Um, but it was an old hand signal from 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 from, from them, and they did uh, upside down crosses on these records where nobody was doing that. Like that was considered commercial suicide. And, uh, but uh, I'm going to pick the song off a debut record, which is called, uh, it's got two names, uh, the name, their name and the name, the record label named it, but it's called witchcraft destroys minds and reaps souls. That's the full name of the record also known as witchcraft. And I think the song is very, very fitting. Uh, the song I'm going to go with off that record is called wicked woman. <laughs> so Wicked One by the band Coven, uh, they did a second album and man, uh, I forgot like recently a, a label re- reissued and I picked up both the records. Um, but the second one is way more like disco pop. You can oh, tell they're yeah. trying to go in the way of making more money. Uh, the first album, though, I think is actually a really, really great album. And even people like I know I recommend a lot of metal that probably people never listen to it's definitely not a metal album so if you kind of like that 70s jefferson starship style sound uh, def- uh check it out it's really good music in my opinion what did the label want to call the album well the, the label just called it witchcraft oh okay that was it's it. witchcraft it's kind of like um it's a white zombie when they did their most famous record which is astro creek 2000 mm-hmm. that was a name that was at every record store on MTV, but the real name was Astro Creep 2000, Tales of Love, Destruction, and Other Synthetic Delusions of the Electrohead. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna, they're not putting that in a fucking marquee, <laughs> right? 
Uh, but Jason, I think you would actually do. I hear you typing away on your little mechanical keyboard over there. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think it's something. You, I think I think it's something you'd actually enjoy. Yeah, well, actually, I was telling you earlier, I was been listening to a lot of Dark Throne. Um, I was playing it. My son likes to listen to. He's kind of in the middle a little bit, uh, especially the punkier um, music. He was really liking it until the song Graveyard Slut came on. I was like, oh, <laughs> nope, skip. Oh, so, so he, it's not that he didn't like that song. He was like, you shouldn't listen to this song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is my my seven-year-old, by the way, not, not the uh, 16-year-old. All right, I respect um, that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no, no, that's just, it's, he's, yeah, he soaks up things. Are you, are you, are you, um, are you against and uh, slut's a pretty bad profane word. That's a pretty bad word. They should never be repeating. Are you are I you mean, against are you against him hearing like the word fuck in a song? I'm not, I'm just, I, I don't mean a bad one. It depends. Like if it's like a, a one word, like in the in the verse, like he's not going to pick that out. But what if it's the chorus of the song? Gotcha. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like you know, like this song's like graveyard <laughs> slut. Graveyards, like, like yeah. it's really uh, pronounced. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about a seven-year-old. That's the kind of thing that you go and like. Grandma learned a new song. And then yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he would totally. He totally does that. You're like, oh, I heard, I heard a new rock and roll. Like, say, I heard a new rock and roll song, and then he'll like try to emulate part of it. So, I'm like, and, who and, knows? And, if that's the one that he like picks out, then you know, I don't, I don't, I you know, in, in modern era, I don't like that word. But for the record, that album did come out in 2006, I think. So. It, it, it's 16 years old and they haven't done another song like that since um, I mean, i'm not against the song or the, that language yeah but for my for a child it, oh no I, I, I swear i bought that album on vinyl back in 2006 so if you ever wonder my how long i've been clicking vinyl for it's been a stupid long time which is uh my other thing i need to tell you all you fuckers out there that buy vinyl and don't listen to it fuck all of you uh, if you don't listen to it, don't buy it because I want to buy it to listen to. And instead, I have to pay a resale price on this shit because I can't hit F5 on my keyboard as fast as you can, you piece of shit reselling scammer motherfuckers. All right, put the explicit uh, label on this episode. <laughs> I mean, I do every time anyway. All, right, no, <laughs> All right, Jody, you got some trivia for us? Okay, our trivia is once again completely random. We haven't done this in it. a while. All right, so Owning only one guinea pig is illegal in Switzerland because guinea pigs are herd animals and become severely depressed when they're alone. Oh. So they made a law to make sure that you couldn't just buy one by itself. You had to have at least two so they could cuddle. So if one dies, is there like a statute limitation where you can only have one? I don't know. I haven't gotten or into can they only sell law one? Swiss. Uh, I haven't gone into a deep investigation into Swiss guinea pig we law, need, but we uh, need the space lawyer on this. Yeah. Our, our vice president is a Swiss. I'll ask him this tomorrow when I talk to him. <laughs> tomorrow while we're talking, say, hey, heard something about guinea pigs. What do you know about guinea pigs? I know you've lived in Florida the past <laughs> 15 years. What do you know about guinea pigs in Switzerland? All right. So here's our second random piece of trivia. I always love it when countries have like a specific word for some phenomena, mm-hmm. you know? And so the German word uh, Kummerspick is uh, the word for weight gained during emotional eating. It vaguely translates to grief bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I want it. that on the. That, that's another T-shirt or, or a sticker. Grief bacon. Give me that grief bacon. So if, if you're like, what's been going on with you, man? You, you know, you you look a little bigger than the last time I saw you. I'm like, just been the grief bacon, man. The grief bacon. <laughs> I love it. I've been dealing with you, some stuff. You need to put that in the uh, the Zen channel on Slack. <laughs> All right, and my last one. And this one I pulled out because it made me upset that this is not still a thing. Three Musketeers candy bars. Mm, I love Three Musketeers. They used to have three flavors. The whole point of the Three Musketeers was that it was a Neapolitan thing. Each candy bar contained a strawberry section, a chocolate section, and a vanilla section. What? And it was made to break into three pieces and share <clears throat> among three people to share with your friends. Why do we not get that Three Musketeers version anymore? I want this, that. This is when almost the- as bad as Coke getting rid of cocaine in our fucking soda. <laughs> <laughs> when did this stop? 
I don't know. I don't, I don't have a timeline for it. I need to find this out because that's really upsetting to me because now anytime I eat a three musketeers bar, I'm going to wish that I had some strawberry in there and some vanilla. I'm a little, I'm a little messed up about this. Right well, now. for the record, this is why three musketeers bars are just kind of fucking basic. Like they're not that great anymore. I know they, they got rid of the uh, original version. So yeah, I'm, I'm upset about that and I'm not sure I'll ever recover from it. You, you know, I just noticed. So I have this portrait of the beyond on my thigh of um, uh, Eliza. And if I let my thigh hair grow back in, it kind of looks mm-hmm. like she has, it kind of looks like she has a mustache. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Bring back the Neapolitan musketeer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, that brings us to our dad advice. Uh, we posted to our Instagram uh, stories looking for people to send us something. And we got a really good one. Uh, Mondo, hit us. So uh, we only got one response. I want to thank you. I want to send a thank you out to Vibes underscore Cleveland. And a shame on you to everybody else, all 52 of you that saw it and didn't respond. So Um, much shaming this episode. Right? Like Shame on you for not listening, for not listening to your vinyl, for not answering our questions. No, no. It's for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we're basically the Catholic, we're basically the Catholic church today. Uh, I mean, we only posted it like a couple hours ago. So at three, yeah, you're right. You're you're right, Jason. You're right. Like fucking voice of reason over here. Anyhow, it's a great. It is a a, great question. It's a it's a great question, and it is which horror movie dad would you be? So I was thinking about this because I saw I saw earlier, and that's a really hard question because. In horror, dads are often antagonists or often absent or often, you know, this a scary figure. I mean, but do you like, but would you do you want a hard question or a flaccid question? I mean No, no, I like it. That's what I'm saying. It's a very engaging question. I'm, yeah, you do you would like it about that. Obviously, one. you want to, you like it when it's harder. You don't want the flaccid question. That's weird. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I get I get you. Okay, no. <laughs> um, so Mondo, what do you think? Wait, hold on a second. You, you can't start answering the question and just give up on it. I thought you were answering the question. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the the uh, the quote, the first one that came to my head was uh, the Jack Torrance character. Oh, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> well, as far as like, you can just relate to like a situation where you're just stuck there with your family. And you're just like, I just want to do my work. I'm mistook at my family. I guess I have to kill them. Yet I cannot relate to that. Well, I'm saying that vibe. Um, but I thought that'd be a little not the murder vibe. I'm just saying they like. <laughs> I mean, it's all part of it, dude. You can't you can't like cherry pick part of the personality. Yes, I can. Part. It's my show. I can do it. <laughs> but um, I, I decided to go a little more cerebral, and I'm going to go with Dallas from uh, Alien. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm really I'm really glad you weren't stuck on Jack Torrance and his murder of his family. <laughs> I mean, he's not technically a father, but he is kind of the father figure. If like quote mother is the mother, you know, the mother computer, and he would be the father. And just the like, just the, he's just so like, oh my god, what the fuck is going on? Just get get what, just do your jobs, guys. Come on, move it along. Get your shoes on. Go potty. <laughs> oh, what you just went potty five minutes ago. Gosh, okay, no one's going to go take care of this alien. Fine, I'll take the flamethrower, go into the creepy tunnels, and just kind of, like, walk around, let the alien murder me just so I can get some rest. <laughs> Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what? Yeah. That, that to me, is a dad vibe. Jody, you got one? All right, so, like, yeah, like you said, this is hard because there's not a lot of great dads in horror. Like, that's making me feel like I, there's something missing here that I need to, to come up with. So I've thought of three dads that are not all necessarily great, but you know, so have y'all seen the movie Becky? Yeah. Oh, yes. The dad there does like die for his daughter. Spoiler, but yeah, he does. He, you know, he takes some torture and tries to protect his daughter. So I'm like, that's, that's a good dad. That's a good horror movie. Dad. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought of the dad from gremlins. I thought that too. He's kind of absent <laughs> though. Like he, he does his thing and then he just like disappears for the rest of the movie until the very end when and he then, comes back. Then he also kind of gives his kid. He gives his kid gifts. a strange animal. Questionable gifts. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. We've yeah. all done that. I'm like, okay. It's not quite 
it doesn't quite fit the age on the box, but right. I'm sure they'll be fine. I mean, every time I watch, you know, something like Scream with my 12 year old, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, <laughs> making making questionable decisions. But ultimately, where I landed, not because he is a good dad, but because he's John fucking Saxon, is I want to be Nancy's dad from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> oh, damn John it. Saxon's really a cool guy. Well, okay, hold on. I thought the question was which dad do you relate to, or no, which no, dad no. would you be? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who I relate to. Probably more to the dad from Gremlins, but I want to be John Saxon, not that yeah. guy. <laughs> who would no, want to be John Saxon? <laughs> is it who? It's a uh, who would you be? So I can choose. So I can choose to be John Saxon. Okay. Not, not who am I? Who would just, I be? Well, okay. Is this part I mean, one or part three, John Saxon? Well, I mean, the reality is he's kind of a crappy dad. Like he doesn't believe his daughter. You know, everyone's getting murdered. Like he locks her in the house, and Freddie's like he's not a good dad in that Brown Elm Street. But by the time um, New Nightmare comes around, okay. John well, Saxon as the as dad, as real John Saxon, <laughs> all those things together. Like he's he helps Nancy slash the real person. So yeah, that John. I don't know. I just John Saxon's a cool guy. He's in a lot of Jello too. <laughs> yeah, in Bruce Lee movies. Yeah, he was in Enter the Dragon, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was. He was in Enter the Dragon. That's right. Okay, don't leave, don't leave me hanging there. <laughs> All right, Mondo. All right, I'm just gonna go. Well, now, uh, yeah, she showed he stole mine, so I thought I had a way. But uh, we're gonna go with uh, Captain Elliot Spencer, who became Pinhead. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I'd be good at being Pinhead. Like I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, like, <laughs> Wait, but what's in the in the movie? Is he a dad? Yeah, yeah. Because in, in Hellraiser three, that's his daughter. That um, right? Am I going crazy with that? That's his in Hellraiser three. Um. Uh, what Terry Farrell? That's that's he like the claims that yeah, no, not the deaf girl, the uh, the news reporter girl. Oh, God, I haven't seen that one in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen three. Yeah, anyhow, I think he that's her dad. Like, okay, go for it. Because <laughs> remember, the, remember the end. He comes back to real life and kind of like says, "We're both going to hell," and stabs the other hell priest. But uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna say, I think I'd be a good hell priest. I think I can handle that job pretty well. You can. Like, um... It's it's metal as fuck, dude. Like, come on, give me the whole priest. Or um, but realistically, if I had to say like one dad that I really admire and admire in horror films, and I don't want to mispronounce his name, but it's the uh the dad in train to Basan. Yeah. Oh, see, there you go. There, yeah, okay. Like, there you go. Um, I, I just think like, man, like he does everything in that one just to save his just to save his child. And oh, what like, about I, the what about Winston Duke and us? Oh, that's, that's a okay. that's, winner. Yeah, that's 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 me. That's a great yes. one too. Yeah, Jody can't. Best, but sorry, also an idiot. You already said John Saxon, so you Do, can't, doing uh, his best, but also an idiot. Or, I, I like that combination. Or, or even I was thinking, um, I can't remember his name, but the dad in Insidious. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, like, another. These, these are like all of the dads in these movies don't necessarily succeed, but I, the ones that try, right? Ooh, Craig T. Nelson in Poltergeist. Yeah. Well, oh, 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 wait, oh, that's right. He didn't know he was buying a house on Indian Barrel Ground. Is he smoking pot while reading about Ronald Reagan in, in one of the scenes? <laughs> like he he's making his memoir or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even what about that, the that's uh, dad from Pet Cemetery? Oof. Yeah, well, he a bad dad yeah. or a good dad? I mean, that's, that's you know bad. what? He, but but you want to know what though? It's okay because it, it. I think it's just like the dad in Pet Cemetery. I don't think he was a bad dad. They just highlighted a lot of his flaws for the the purpose of it. Even um another one that's actually a really um I think it's played as a really honest character is the dad from uh, Sinister. Uh, oh, yeah. uh you what well, not you McGregor, uh, Ethan Hawk. Uh, Ethan Hawk. Yeah. yeah. Ethan Hawk because like if I found some weird ass taste in my attic that shows some murders, I'm not gonna lie. I probably live. I probably in the garage sipping whiskey trying to figure this shit out. Like, that's yeah. that's some shit. That's some shit I probably do. I'm just gonna be honest. Um. I just don't want my kids to kill me or Bagul to show up because that guy is just mm-hmm. a dick. Uh, <laughs> lawnmowers and all that. <laughs> Dude, that lawnmower scene from uh, Sinister, I saw that in the theater oh, in the daylight and that scene still got to me because yeah. I was not expecting that. Like, you know something bad is going to happen, but then something bad really happens. <laughs> it happens real bad, yeah. Or uh, how about the sheriff from Halloween? 
Sheriff oh, Brackett. Sheriff Brackett. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's just doing his job. He's, yeah. he, he lost somebody. Um, the, uh, the Lance Hendrickson character from Pumpkinhead. Uh, yeah, that's right. He doesn't call Pumpkinhead thinking what's going to happen is going to happen. He wants revenge for his poor child. Like the the beginning of Pumpkinhead is yeah, yeah, man. The beginning of Pumpkinhead is kind of heart is it's heartbreaking. He's a good dad at the beginning yeah. of Pumpkinhead. He's taking care yeah. of his kid. Yeah. See, we talked this through. Now we're not calls just down, uh, calls oh. down a vengeance demon. We, 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 right. we got we got from Jason saying that he was Jack Torrance to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got it, uh, Chief Brody. Chief Brody. Oh, from Jaws. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, I can see that, too. All we know is if Jason ever plans a family vacation at the Stanley Hotel, we got to intervene. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This will be evidence in the court case. I might be thinking more of like the Homer Simpson, uh, the Shining episode than the actual Shining. I think I've seen that episode more than I have. Hold on a second, though. He still tries to kill his family in that episode. Right, you know... No beer, no something, something. <laughs> As if the shiny notes is shining because we don't want to get sued. Oh, it's one of the best jokes of all time. <laughs> it's um, one of the best episodes of Simpsons of all time. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's uh, on Disney Plus. Is it Disney Plus all yeah. Simpsons episodes? Mm-hmm. You can you can watch them just all the treehouse and treehouse of horrors yeah. and yeah. them line. Ow, I see my hand on my desk. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was showing them to my 16-year-old. Um yeah, we we've oh, watched all those. Yeah, we've watched all those. So good. All right. Anything else before we wrap up? You good? Uh yeah, nothing I can think of. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Next week we will be reviewing Beauty Rest. We appreciate everyone for listening. We would really appreciate it if you give us a rating or review on Spotify and a rating on oh sorry, rating a review on iTunes and a rating on Spotify. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. Goodbye. (laughs) Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. (laughs) No, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!